For the first time, my mentor was able to gently <laughs> let me know that when I went to that clinic and they handed me those pills, I became the abortionist and the hotel room became the abortion clinic. Welcome to Straight Talk on Life Issues. I'm Victor Nieves. As always, joining me is Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Today, we have an interesting conversation about abortion's impact on women, something you may think is an obvious thing, but it's a lot deeper than what most people may first think. Abortion, as we know, is horrible for women's physical health, but also their mental health. We're going to be talking about a lot of information, first of all, a massive study, Brad, that you and I have looked at, a peer-reviewed study from the Charlotte Lozier Institute. This is published, by the way, in the International Journal of Women's Health. And this, this report, it shows that women who abort their first pregnancy are much more likely to experience an increased need for mental health treatment and various other things. Yeah, and the important thing here um, is this wasn't just a few women that they looked at. This data was gleaned from over 4,800 Medicaid-enrolled women, and it spanned a period of 17 years. So we know the information is both accurate, truthful, and does not have a bias element associated with it. Well, and it's important, you know, when I first came across this study, my jaw dropped. 4,800 women over 17 years. That is a massive, massive uh, study. And you know this as well as I do, Brad. Our adversaries, oh, they love to come up with a study that has 25 people. And they love to come up, you know, they will, they will manipulate data, they'll manipulate research as much as they possibly can, because they're not interested in the truth. They're only interested uh, in justifying this heinous, awful industry but 4,800 women, 17 years, that is like a gold standard level study. Well, on the other side, as you said, manipulates the data and information. But sadly and tragically, Victor, is they're manipulating lives, women's lives and those of their babies. And we're going to learn today the impact that this is having on the lives of women. Abortion goes so deep, as you said, so far that, that many people may not realize. And hopefully today, they're going to learn some information about just how difficult, how evil and inhumane abortion is. Oh, it's absolutely inhumane. And, and it's, it, you know, the more that we learn about it and its impact, I mean, obviously we know what it does to the child. It, it takes the life of the innocent child. But sometimes people think that the mother is left unscathed. As we're going to find out today, that is absolutely not the case. And this is, again, a very lucrative, a billion dollar industry that's profiting off the killing of children and the, the horrible damage that this is doing to the women. Clearly, from a human level, they just don't care about the women, and they certainly do not care about the children. You know, and Victor, as we've talked about the problems uh, with abortion on women, what adds fuel to the fire, I think, is that 60% research shows, at least 60% in America, women feel that they were forced, coerced, or urged to have an abortion that they really didn't want. And that, common sense tells us, just compounds the problem of what women have to deal with and the recovery 
that they need to walk through after an abortion. Oh, absolutely. That That's definitely going to add to it. And of course, you know, we're going to talk so much more about all of this with our fantastic, fantastic guests. First of all, we have joining us Karen Barbido. Very, very knowledgeable. She's the co-author of Unraveled Roots, a pioneer truly in the abortion healing movement. And she currently serves as a support after abortion special programs manager. She's trying to find as many ways as she possibly can uh, to help the women that, like we're talking about today, are hurting deeply from their abortion experience. We also have with us Wendy Rawls, who had an abortion when she was 19 years old while away for college. It was a subject that people at her church really didn't talk about very much. And she knows firsthand what it's like to go through that experience, the recovery experience. Now, she struggled with alcohol and, and drugs and different relationships and things like that. We'll get to hear her story and, and her experience um, of what that was like. So uh, I want to welcome our fantastic guests to the show. Brad, what do you say? We jump right in? I think we should. Uh, Karen and Wendy, I'm so glad to have you on this program with Victor and I today. Uh, we're so anxious to hear your story. What I'd like you to do is both briefly tell me your story. Um, I was 18, a freshman in college, in love with a guy that I had sex with, unprotected sex, and I got pregnant. I knew right away that I was not going to have that baby. I had a multitude of reasons, but the primary one was that I wanted to keep the relationship and I knew that my parents wouldn't approve. So I found out on a Wednesday, had my abortion on Friday, was back in class on Monday. Problem solved. Except my life throughout the course of the entire rest of my life never went the way I expected it to or how I had planned it to. I became really promiscuous. I started using drugs and alcohol. I got married just because I felt it was time for me to get married and I didn't want to be alone. And during that marriage, we found out we couldn't have kids. It was only then that it ever occurred to me that I had made a terrible mistake by aborting that child. You know, see, I wasn't pro-life. I wasn't pro-choice. I was pro-me. And I spent up until I went to work at a pregnancy center coping through all of my grief and loss through drugs and alcohol. Had been in countless rehabs. Nobody ever asked me if I've ever been pregnant before. Never. It wasn't until I went to the work for the pregnancy center that they asked me about my pregnancies and I was honest. You know, I was in recovery now, so I had to be brutally honest. And um, they said, well, have you ever gone through healing? And I'm like, what's that? And they said, well, there's healing for abortion for people that are struggling after their abortion. And I said, no, I'm good. I'm good. I've been through all kinds of recovery. I've cleaned up my side of the street. I've taken responsibility for all the wrongs that I made. I'm good. And they said, well, we know you're good, but if you want this job, you got to go through healing. Man, I had no idea how not okay I was. I had believed lies for decades. One of the biggest ones and probably one of the biggest breakthroughs in my first healing program, because I've been through a lot of them now, is... I told myself for decades, I'm never going to be a mom. And the reality is I am a mom. That's great. Well, we're going to get into those details in just a little bit, Karen. Wendy, let's hear your story. Absolutely. So mine is kind of similar to Karen's in a way. Um, I was 19 and a sophomore in college. And so I wound up pregnant, um, again, just terrified and not wanting anyone to know that. My parents are pastors and I was attending a Christian college. And so that is not the walk of shame that you can take down the main way of the college campus. And so I went to a local women's health clinic in the area where they told me I had a choice and that they had an easy solution. Taking that pill at five and a half weeks gestation caused me to have a miscarriage. 
and I went on about my way. However, I didn't tell anybody about my abortion. And that is what launched me into a self-imposed prison of guilt, shame, anger, sorrow, and depression for the next 15 years. And what they told me would be a quick and easy solution is where I found was most of my problems. And until I met Jack and Sheila Harper of Save One Ministries and walked through their Bible study program and came through that, graduated through that recovery program was for the first time that I realized that I serve a God who forgives the sin of abortion. And I did not have to live in that shame and regret anymore. Based upon your stories, it sounds like the abortion procedure itself was a pretty easy one compared to many women. Do you think that this made it more difficult for you to come to terms with the abortion and its impact on your lives, Karen? Wow, that's really a great question, Brad. I know that trauma can manifest in really unhealthy behaviors throughout life, right? Did I put the dots together at the time? No, I did not until I had the opportunity to share my testimony in front of a group of people. And, and that was the very first time I ever told the story out loud to anyone. And I did it like in front of a hundred people. I just saw the how badly that decision influenced every decision I made after that. How about you, Wendy? So when I walked through the Save One program for the first time, my mentor was able to gently <laughs> let me know that when I went to that clinic and they handed me those pills, I became the abortionist and the hotel room became the abortion clinic. And I had never once let that sink in over. I mean, this is 15 years into it. And realizing that, taking that moment to understand that I was an abortionist. I had made a choice to end a child's life, but I was also putting another title on myself. And that is not something that a little girl dreams of when she's growing up. One day I want to be an abortionist, yeah. but that's what we're doing with chemical abortion and, and abortion overall is that we're raising up abortionists in our culture and in our society. How old were you when the reality of your abortion sank in? And what emotions were you experiencing at that moment? When we went to a fertility specialist and were told that we couldn't have kids, I can remember it was like I got punched in the face. To follow up on that, we tried to adopt. I knew it wasn't going to go through, but I so desperately wanted to be a mom. I just ignored the red flags and bulldozed my way through. And she changed her mind after she delivered. We came walking into the hospital several states away from where we lived and were turned away. And that was probably even worse than finding out that I couldn't have kids because now all hope is gone. How about you, Wendy? I was 27 years old. I was newly married to an amazing man of God, and we were ready to start our family and we got pregnant. It was so exciting. And at about five and a half weeks, I had a miscarriage and um, I thought, oh my God, how, why, what? And now I've caused this man, his whole family to suffer. They didn't have anything to do with my original abortion decision, but now they're going to suffer. He's never going to have a family because of a selfish decision that I made years prior. And I was angry. I was mad. I was like, Lord, I asked your forgiveness. I don't understand. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm pro-life now. And I just want to have a family with this amazing man. We're, we're good now. And he was like, this is not punishment. Like this is just a miscarriage in one in every four women miscarry. And this was your body's way of telling you that this was just not the right moment for you. And I will tell you that 10 months later, we gave birth to a beautiful baby boy and then we just never stopped. But that moment 
was the enemy used to just really dig in and say, this, look what you've done. You are a monster and this is your punishment. You know, it's at those moments when Satan reminds us of our past that we need to remind Satan of his future. That's right. And watch him flee. About how long was it, Wendy, between the time the miscarriage and when you realized that, you know, one in four women do have miscarriages, it's not necessarily related to your abortion? So I had made a doctor's appointment about four weeks after that miscarriage. I kept the appointment because I just don't know what to do. And he was one of the first people that I actually confided in this random doctor. (laughs) And I, of course, am very emotional and I am like working this out. And he goes, oh, Miss Rawls, no, no, no. And he gives this statistically, he sees women day in and day out, right? This OBGYN just has the most compassion for me. And I do believe that God sent him there that day to be on call for that appointment and that he used him. He was so compassionate and full of kindness. And in sharing that with me, I was able to then be like, oh, oh, okay. So, so it's just me being a woman. It was just my body's way of naturally repelling something that maybe might not have been good for me. You know, what really surprised me, and I think I can better relate to those in in one very small way who have experienced abortion is you grieve for somebody you've never met before. And the degree in which I grieved really surprised me. Hmm. Um, I didn't expect that to come so strong and in waves well after it happened. So it's remarkable. God connects you to human life from the moment it's conceived, doesn't he? Now, you talked a little bit about the impact of abortion. I want to ask you both what your symptoms were when you dealt with the anguish of abortion, its impact, and uh, what did the abortion do to you both mentally and physically? Karen? I couldn't cope with life. I mean, it was so traumatic for me, even though I didn't recognize it at the time that I shoved it down so thoroughly that I didn't think it was a big issue at all until I went through healing and I started to remember things. You know, I I was back in class in three days, but I can remember now crying on the table. I had a surgical abortion and I I can remember the woman holding my hand and saying, it's going to be okay. And I'm thinking in my head, it's never going to be okay again. But for decades, I refused to acknowledge that because I couldn't cope with that. So I drank and got high. I ended up getting divorced and went on with another guy that was an even worse drug addict. It really wasn't until I was in rehab and somebody asked me the question, do you think that you might be codependent? I didn't even know what that was. And so I worked through a workbook and it changed my life forever. That was the beginning of my recovery when I got rid of the guy. My life was not the same at all. You kind of got back on track and got on track for the first time, maybe. And so it was when I was in my last rehab I was in a halfway house by this time that I went to the Bible because I didn't like who I was at all. And I spent a lot of time in Proverbs. I can tell you that. I wrote down (laughs) scriptures morning and night and read it morning and night. I'm doing this in my 40s. And so I look back over my shoulder and I don't know how I got from there to here, except by the grace of God. Yeah, indeed. Wendy? I was extremely angry and that was not my nature. And so I moved back home almost immediately And my parents instantly saw the change and they are asking all the time, you know, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. I'm fine. Like it's, I'm good. And and I kept pushing relationships away. Bitterness and loneliness really became my friends. 
And because of my parents' faithfulness and consistency when I was a young girl and taking me to church, I did have that foundation of truth. And there was a moment when I finally was sitting in a service and the pastor was talking about forgiveness. And that moment came full circle for me. And I was like, okay, like, Lord, like, I really want your forgiveness. Like, I think that I can be forgiven. And I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if God forgave the sin of abortion. I wasn't sure, but I, I did know that I had come to him before and I had had joy and peace. Like I had never felt prior to that. So I was like, well, it's worth a shot because this stinks (laughs) the way I'm living now. It's not worth it. And so I started to just, you know, make my way baby steps through those ministry programs. And then through save one, I had realized that God's grace is his undeserved love and favor. And that if he could love me enough to forgive me, and if he could love me enough to still find favor on my life and still use me for a purpose, then why was I keeping myself back? And so I was able to finally break out of that and forgive myself. The Lord is so faithful. Your parents, both pastors, was there a point where they were catching on to what might be the root cause of your struggles? Never the root cause. They knew something was wrong. I honestly think I blew their minds. Like, I don't think they would have ever considered those words coming out of my mouth that I've had an abortion. It was about three years after I had made that decision that I just melted down in my dad's office one night and asked them to both come in with me. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't live this way anymore. When I found Save One, I found that actually truth telling helps a lot more people. Yeah. And so I was able to share with my church family on January 1st of this year, I shared my entire story with them. And I think that I was the first person to stand on that platform and say the word abortion. There was so much spiritual breakthrough in that moment. I know that the more that we do this, the more that we educate people on this issue, and we can get back into the churches and say, abortion is wrong, but God forgives that sin we're really going to start making some strides. I'd like to talk about some specifics of of where you sought support. Now, Karen, you talked about going to the Bible, fertile ground for restoration, certainly so. Tell us a little bit more about your healing process at the center. Yeah, so quite honestly, even though I call it Bible boot camp, I put myself through Bible boot camp when I was in a halfway house, my abortion never came up. Nobody asked me about it. I never talked about it. It wasn't until I went to the pregnancy center, was offered a job, and they asked me, and so I had to go through healing. When I went through my first healing, it was really entry level. I was told it was supposed to be that way just so that I could kind of open up and allow whatever was to reveal itself would be revealed, and it was emotionally painful to go through healing, but that was temporary. Transformation is a lifetime. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I am a person of faith, but I have seen abortion healing work for people that don't believe in God, because I think God shows up whether we talk about him or not, yeah, right? Good and, point. If people, and if people don't want to start with a God message, like you said, Wendy, you were so ashamed. You were from a church family. You couldn't talk about it with anybody. It's so private. If you're judging yourself so harshly, God's got to be too. We always say healing's not a one and done. And you point out how a secular counseling program is often helpful for those who don't have faith. It just goes to show you have to meet those people where they are. Exactly. That's very well said, Brad. And that's what the approach I take. But so far, I would say about 98% of them lead to 
a faith-based process. And mm -hmm. that's where we end up. And that's where I really see the healing really take place. Wendy, you talked about Save One. Tell us about uh, entering that support and what happened. I was asked to be a part of a mentorship program through my network of churches that I associate with. It led to me meeting Jack and Sheila Harper, who run Save One Ministries. And Sheila set me up with the most incredible mentor. Her name is Sonia Wadley. And Sonia and I spent the next eight weeks together. And I graduated that program right after Christmas and was on a Zoom call. I invited my parent, my husband, and my sister to be a part of that because abortion does not just affect the woman. There is a father that is involved and there is a ripple effect. But it was a really full circle moment for us because we could acknowledge her we could give her back sanctity of life that she deserved. And then we could have the time to grieve together as a family and know that God is working all of this for good. Does the impact of the abortion still impact you today? And if so, how? Karen? There's consequences to our decision. You know, my mom lives with me. She's 91. She's not going to be around for that much longer, I don't think. I'm stepping into a new season of life where I'm going to be alone. And so I struggled with that for quite some time until I decided my mom got a delivery of books. It was such the craziest thing. I love it when God shows up this way. And one of the books was called Forward, and it's about finding purpose in life no matter what season you're in. So I started reading this book and I started laying out for myself, casting vision on what do I want you know, the last quarter of my life to look like. And it's been invigorating. Wendy? So one of my favorite quotes that came out of this journey has been, truth is where shame goes to die. Mm -hmm. And I know that each time I tell my story, each time that I can get in front of one person, a thousand people, doesn't matter, that the truth of my testimony will push back that creeping shame. He's never, the enemy's never going to give up. Isn't it amazing how God takes the ashes of your lives and does just some absolutely phenomenal stuff with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what message do you each have for women who are thinking about abortion now, Karen? Yeah, I, you know, I think the most important thing is to number one, check your judgment before you go into a conversation like that. Wendy talked about it, leading with compassion. I had a woman disclose to me that she had had 10 abortions and her priest said, this is all he said. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. She said it was the most compassionate, non-judgmental thing that he ever could have said. I think we need to give them an opportunity to share whatever they want to share. Abortion is socially accepted, but it's never talked about. I know how hard it is to talk about something that's so private, but just speaking out loud, it's like you, you can physically see it on them. Their shoulders go down. They let out this huge sigh. You just gave some golden advice for reaching out to women who have an abortion in their past. I'd like to hear your thoughts on what you would say directly to a woman who's contemplating having an abortion? I would say something like, I've been there. You know, I know how tough this decision can be. And there's as many reasons out there as somebody can have. How about if we talk about the things that you think would prevent you from carrying this pregnancy to term? I would validate anything that she says to me. I would echo what she says. I would never push to the extreme, but I'd, I'd like to inform you that your life eight months from now is not going to be the same that it is today. We can provide wraparound services for you so that you can make a decision that you can live with. Slow down the process. Think it through. You have time. You know, Find out from others that have been there what their experience was like. 
Go to pro-choice people, go to pro-life people, go to Christians, go to atheists. It's not a political or religious issue. This is a human issue. And if you were going to the doctor contemplating surgery, you would want to know what your recovery was going to be right, what the procedure was going to be like. You'd want to have all the information that you can get so that you can make a well-informed choice. Whatever you decide, we're here for you. So is it okay if I talk to you every day? Because I know it's going to be scary. And if you do have that abortion, please don't be afraid to come back to us because we can get you connected to healing. Well said. Wendy, that's a hard thing to follow, but I'm sure you can. <laughs> I was like, ditto. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, yes, what Karen said. And I think it's just important to remember that we have to lay down our pride. And when we do have those conversations, it's really important to just say, no matter what you choose, I'm here for you. The problem is, is that we're looking at it from our lens instead of God's lens. We are just conduits, right? We just have to be there for them in that moment. We have to serve them in whatever way we can. So we have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, ready to go at any moment. The experience with which you both and wisdom with which you both speak I just, I, I'm honored to be associated with you and we're just very honored to do this program. So. Thank you so much, Brad. Well, I think we're all going to take a deep breath after this and contemplate what we've just heard. And for me, Victor, hearing Karen's story is a real hard thing to imagine. It just depicts in great detail how abortion impacted her life. And she has spent a lifetime of clawing back from an ugly experience and other ugly experiences that resulted from having that abortion. And her life story should be um, something that all of us take note and file as a motivating factor for all of us to help women, one, avoid abortion whenever possible, but then also reach out to women with the knowledge that um, there is hope and there's recovery and they're not alone. And it's the pro-lifers who want to help them. Absolutely. Her story, Brad, just super impactful. And I want to say too, I think it's so awesome what she does, you know, the way that she has taken that story and now she uses it to, to help other women, women who may be, God forbid, about to go down the same path that she did and, and make maybe the same mistake that she made. She can come to them with her own lived experience. And, you know, this is something I've noticed, Brad, inside the pro-life movement, there are so many women and men too, who have been through that. They know firsthand and they've used their story and, and what has happened in their life to turn around and go be, you know, an ambassador to people out there and say, listen, you don't have to do it. You, you shouldn't do it. This is what it was like when I did and the damage and and the things like that. And thank God, you know, she's she's had this this process throughout her life of recovering. Um, but I just I want to add that I think it's such a blessing to see the people um, who are using those stories to fight for good and, and to fight for life. It's just tremendous. But anyways, as always, Straight Talk on Life Issues is going to continue with the heart tugging, the 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 most relevant and impactful topics that are out there on all things pro-life and everything that you need to know. And together with your help, we can provide this information to women 
and stop them from making the same decision that so many other women have made. We talked today about just two stories, but there are so many more women that have been through that experience, and there are so many more that might go down that exact same path. And you can help us stop that by donating. Go to lifeissues.org. Your generous and tax-free donation will help us make sure that less women go down that path. Speaking of which, we want to thank everyone who made this program possible through your generous and tax-deductible donations. We appreciate you so much. And I want to remind everyone to go to lifeissues.org for the latest information, effective resources, things that you can share. Maybe you know somebody in your life who has been affected by abortion. Maybe it's women, maybe it's men. We have resources there for you uh, to help you spread this information. Once again, that's lifeissues.org. I also want to encourage everyone to be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. Our handle is lifeissues.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. And as always, be sure to tune in next week for another Straight Talk on Life Issues podcast.